0: three, eighteen uh 25 and through chapter 4 1 and we're gonna okay. wait a little with reading the text but you can just turn there and then we'll read it in in just a few moments but i'm going to recap what we've been through so far uh, where maya's uh, left off last week and also kind of the whole thing of where we've been uh, in the letter so in my very first sermon, I, I underscored the importance of understanding sometimes what, who the Bible is speaking to. And so Paul is assuming that he is speaking to believers who want to follow Jesus. And so that's very important for the things that he writes about the people. Uh, if, if you read the Bible at home or here, and you have no intention of following Jesus or following what it says, the good promises that are here are not for you. Like Susan shared, if we don't want Jesus to be our king, these things are not true. Uh, So we have to keep those in mind. And the same thing will be with the things that we're going to talk about today. If we don't believe all the things that Paul has written to the believers um, about from the beginning, how he gives thanks for them, how he's so so thankful that they've received the grace uh, of God when Epaphras taught them about who Jesus was about Jesus' life and resurrection um, and that Paul and Timothy are praying for them to grow spiritually growing grow wisdom growing understanding um, and that they would walk in a manner worthy that they will be bearing fruits that they will be strengthened to endure with patience and joy and Thanksgiving because of what the father has done, that he has delivered us from darkness into light, into the kingdom of his son, Jesus, where we have in him, we have redemption, forgiveness of sin. Then Paul goes on. De- oh, I can't move my head when my glasses are on. I get dizzy. Um, so, uh, so then he has these two big sections where he tells them about who Jesus is he's the image of an invisible God everything was made through Jesus for Jesus um, and then he says he talks again about what is it Jesus, that Jesus does he comes into the world he dies on the cross we are reconciled to him and if we believe in him we are blameless above reproach in Christ and Paul says how he had struggled so much, and then he says, "But not by my own own strength, but the will, but the but the strength that the Holy Spirit presented him with that strength." And then, as you receive Christ, walk in Him. Then talked about the funny part in our family service: how to be uncircumcised, but not but not physically, but spiritually. That we are buried with Christ in His death and we were raised in his resurrection how God took sorry how God took the depth certificate we had all the things we owned in here nailed it to the cross and how God brings all our shame, pain and guilt and all the powers at be, evil powers and bring them in a triumph where he triumphs over all of them and he puts them all to open shame and he disarms all of them and then he calls us to seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the father, right hand of the father put to sin put to death sin which is idolatry and and put away the old self and live in the new self that is been renewed in the image of its creator and then when i spoke last time it was about being chosen by God mean holy being made holy and believing that he actually loves us then it was to extend that love to others forgiving as we were forgiven in Christ and love and be thankful and then we had the passage of singing songs to one another and hymns and spiritual songs encouraging one another and then we had the final passion of last time and whatever you do in word or deed do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him we have to remember that before we come to the next part because no one is going to do the next things if we don't believe the first things Paul has built up the letter this way he does it in some of the other letters first is the long story about an introduction and a laying out of the gospel and then he gives instructions so now we will read and I'm going to cheat and read that verse one more time so I'll read from 17 from 317 and whatever you do in word or deed do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving uh, thanks through him yes and there we go with that one wives submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord, husband, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing the Lord. For this pleases the Lord. Father, do not rebu- uh, provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleases, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as unto the Lord, not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. There is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also, have a master in heaven; this is the word of the Lord and so what Paul is talking about can be controversial to some people he lays out, he lays out a foundation of what the uh, what a Christian household should look like um, and then people are, i like well will get to la- we we'll get to it later, but yes, it is about our authority structure it is a structure of who is in authority and it's on unappe- a- and it's on unapologi- 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 unap- unapologetic <laughs> at, least, at least stated and he doesn't really explain much uh but we we have over there, I I have in this sermon series decided not to jump back and forth from many passages, but force myself to stay in, the, uh, stay in the same one. But for you guys at home and uh, people here, if you want to study more about this, it was like, hey, it can't be true, there are more passages saying the same. So that was just that one there. Back to there. And Paul Paul unapologetically states this, and he brings this to the new believers. And it's a good and right thing for husband, for wives, for children and slaves and how my masters should treat people. There's a clear expectation of how the family should be governed. So since the 50s in the West, maybe right after the Second World War, this might be controversial. Uh, I've heard many things over the years. Uh, and maybe it was actually with my parents' generation, it gets very even hostile. That he clearly says, "Paul, wife should submit to her husband as is fitting in the Lord." My <laughs> I remember that this is not in my notes, but I remember. I remember she must have been from a previous generation. And my wife had been to a meeting with some older ladies and she was one of the older ones and she said um, there was some kind of a question and she said uh, it would be smart if I could remember the whole story she said something it was something about making decisions and she says I'm not going to make that decision on my own I'm going to talk to my uh, husband about it and the other ladies were like, what? Can you make decisions on your own? So I was like, that's not what it's about. And it that was never about it what it was about for her. But it was about understanding that I'm part of a family. And I'll, ch- of course, check with my husband first before I just go and make plans. That was kind of a culture class between women of different generations. Uh, I just remembered that right now. But... Uh, mm, but that's also why I brought up all the other things. Because Paul is writing to new believers here. And they are they were living in a world that looks a lot less than ours. Uh, and they're just coming into this new freedom. Um, both men, women, children, and slaves. And bond servants. And we're going to talk about all of them. But the freedom of Christ doesn't mean... That you all of a sudden are free from anything and can do whatever you want at whatever time. That there's not a structure that, get, that the Lord has made for the flourishing of everyone. And so uh, what the few pop- uh, there's some popular ob- objections of why, uh, oh, of why, well, I guess in our culture it's actually... No one should m- submit to anything. But in this case, we're, it's objection to why a, hu- why a wife would want to sub- um, submit to her husband. And so there's this thing called a cultural argument. Uh, lots of times this would be brought up about the Bible. And, and just like I said, Paul, he writes to people in a totally different culture. And there's different things at, at play. And so I was trying to read up my, on my Greek... Uh, on my gig history about women, which is really difficult because there 's not lots of good uh, resources and so on and and it 's so it 's so different from woman to woman. Uh, it actually seems like that the people that have some suspicious jobs <laughs> have a lot more freedom <laughs> and can run their own businesses and do other things. but the wives actually of husbands seem to have in our understanding less freedom but then there 's also some other women that have lots of power and we in the Bible we meet one of them who's a businesswoman. Her name is Lydia. So it's not a it's not totally easy to see how exactly the what status women had, and then also it was very different if you were married or not married. So I don't it's not in one to one way we can just say, well it's because it's because of uh, the culture. And then also if you study other passages, you can see it's not about culture. Um, so I don't think the cultural argument is, is so easy just to apply here and say, well, because women had a different status or different things, they, they don't, we don't as wives have to submit to our husband. And the funny part is Paul keeps sh- sharpening this argument. Like if we feel uncomfortable with it just for one thing, we have to remember... That this this time, and in this culture, marriage is a plant. The people that are getting married, they don't have a say in who they marry. So when both for the husband and the wife, you're supposed to submit to somebody you didn't choose, and the man is supposed to love somebody who he didn't choose. Um, So it's, in this case, in, in this in this time, it's about family ties, about power and wealth and influence that decides who gets married to who. So, this doesn't make the command easier. <laughs> this actually elevates it that I'm supposed to submit to a person I didn't choose, or love a person I didn't choose. And then we have the maybe the one from our culture. Is another objection to submitting to the husbands because it's fitting the Lord. Our culture seems to scream that all all submission is bad. Because we just have to be ourselves, you know, embrace who we are, uniqueness, and do whatever we want to make ourselves happy. You don't have to submit to anyone. Not even the police, they're also probably wrong. (laughs) Um because the power structures there they are just to want to keep you down well I think the police is there for other reasons as well but this is this is an ancient ancient gospel where you are your own God and you should just do whatever is wise in your own eyes and when a long time ago went through the book of called Judges that's like a refrain that keeps going and they did what was right in their own eyes and just keeps going, getting worse and worse. And I've kind of pulled it to our attention. If we're 7 billion people on the planet, and everyone does just does what they want, and there's no submission to anyone, it will be even more chaotic, chaotic than it is now. But then people would say, well, history has proven that submission to men is bad because it's been misused and some men are bad and abusive the last part is very true men has been has misused and neglected what it means to love and serve one's wife as Christ loves the church that is very true but with all God's commands they are there for a purpose and we cannot stop obeying God because some people because some people have misused or abused the structure also like other people have stated people have gotten hurt by people that say they're believers some people on the internet and other places they preach stuff that's more about themselves than about Jesus therefore I cannot stop preaching the good news so, because people have misused this, this doesn 't mean that the structure and authority structure is wrong. Another place uh, another uh, and then we have the positive side where i I heard something that is very different for me to hear is I was because of this push from culture that submission to to uh, one 's husband is always bad. then one time i uh, overheard my wife talking to one friend she knew. And she was pushing back and saying, this is so dumb. Like, why is it that people have such a, such a hate towards that? My husband loves me. He loves Jesus. He loves our children. Why am I not supposed to submit to him? Like, I, I don't understand. she was like, she was like why are people have such a, why are they against this? Because she's grown up in a place where it worked, where husbands were leveling their wives and their families as Christ loved the church and they were flourishing but then the public culture would come and say no, no, you shouldn't do that I was like, why? and so then it's not seen as suppressive and evil but something to encourage and have the wife, the children and the whole house um, flourish the opposite of submission is rebellion and women you, uh, wives you have enormous power you can hurt your husband in a way that no, ma- no man can hurt him I'm not asking you I, I, I'm not saying you should <laughs> but just know that you have that power By criticizing, publicly, uh, publicly, um, um, what's that called? Embarrass, or go against, or disrespect, or nagging, or distrust. You can emasculate your husband, and he will not be a leader who loves and serves well. But if you want to see your husband grow and mature in Christ, for him to take responsibility and lead you and your family well, see him pray more, study more the Bible, then submit to him in the Lord. Be his helper, be encouraging, pray for him. Men can become... Great leaders that serve their families like Jesus, but not without the love and encouragement from their wife. Then uh, there's this really good book. It's like, why is submission important? Well, that might be because uh, love L O V E could be spelled different from a man. And so this, this guy called Dr. Emerson Edridge, they've written a book on Ephesians called uh, Love and Respect, so that women are loved by loving them and men are actually loved by respecting them. And so they, this is, was very, very good for me. It's a very good book. Uh, one of the best books we've read together as a couple, where the husband laughed on some sections and the women left at the other section, and... And we don't get it. It's, uh, it's a lot. Yeah, I can talk to you more about the book. But um, they they ask this question to men and women, and and I I was also asked it because it's in the book. So it says, "Would you rather be respected and not loved, or would you rather be loved and not respected?" most men will go with the first option and most women will go with the sec- sec- second one. So there's something different in men and women of how we feel loved and how we flourish and how we be get to be encouraged. And now some of you are sitting here, hey, I'm not married. No, no. But it's going to be about how can I become a man that at some point, or a woman, that it's, I, at what am I, what kinds of things do I need to develop in my character to become more like Jesus, that I can either submit to my husband or I can love my wife well. Then the question I had just like, it, is all submission bad well, the gospel is a story about submission. Jesus says in the garden when it's the hardest, Lord, not my will, but your will. And submitting can't be a bad thing, but really a necessity. That we all have to miss- submit to God, just as, de- just as Jesus did. Looking at the Trinity, is Jesus worth less and God the Father is the Holy Spirit worth less? Jesus submits to the Father, and the Holy Spirit's all. His purpose is to glorify God, while reminding us about what Jesus has done. They're all worth the same. They're all equally God. So in God, we see perfect submission as well as perfect love and relationship. In families and churches, God in his wisdom has made the man the leader. And so we might not understand why that is the way he lines out here in the authority structure. But We have to remember, we are in an upside-down kingdom So sometimes the leader is the one that becomes the servant. Just to clarify with all the people out there and in here, does that mean that the women or wives don't have an ability to lead a family or church? No, it doesn't. And some would even say, or I would say, that sometimes they do a better job. Then why is all this important that Paul is writing? If we look at how right now a young man giving up educations, giving up being in families, giving up having children, giving up even being in a relationship, it seems like men are very willing to give up and not lead. To zone out and get passive, let their wife deal with everything, Especially all the areas I don't have any interest in. <laughs> I don't really care about. Even when we look down to the fall and the consequences of the fall, we see some of the things that happened to Adam and there's some of the things that happened to Eve. Where Adam, even in the fall, seems to be passive and not stopping it from happening. And the curse on the woman is that your man... Your will desire will be to be over your man, but your man is going to be over you in a not-so-good way, and actually in actually in, in a hurtful way. So when we look at the man, men can even go, and the, and the consequence there is the one that I think we're rebelling mostly against, is the aggressive one. So men can either go passive or they can go aggressive in, our, in this culture most men go passive we also see aggressive but those are the people that go to jail and other places but what is the command for the man If when we read love your wife and and with all the things that I just lined up is that you love your wife somebody else gave you. In in this in our cases we we can choose ourselves. So in both cases, both men and women, choose wisely. As a wife, if the person you look at you have no intention of submitting to that person, then don't marry that person. If you as a husband or a man looks at a woman and you have no intention of loving her because of who she is, then don't marry that person. Because what it talks about here is this uh, word of love is loving the person for the other person's sake. To set their needs before your own. To love because of who the person is. Not because of what that person does for you, or not because you feel like you're in love with that person. No, because of that person is who they are. And the love here is, is sacrificial, set your needs before. And so when are we to, when is the husband to love like he feels like it, no? Or when the husband thinks the wife deserves this. No. When is it that we need to know we are loved the most? It's exactly when we know we don't deserve to be loved. So that's the call. The call for a husband is to love his wife in a sacrificial way where the needs of the wife is set before the needs. Of the husband. Not when we feel like it. And not when it's deserved. But like the way we were loved by God. Because that's how God loves us. And that's how we are to love our wives. Then just for the men. So how are we supposed to love our wives? How are we supposed to hang out with our, our our wives as well? Is it the same way we are hanging out with other men? And uh, no, that's what Peter addresses at some point also. In a gentle way. Be aware of how you speak. Be aware of how you carry your your physique. Uh, never using your power or your size to intimidate. Instead. Look at, what, look at what things in your wife you can help flourish and grow. What gifts and abilities you can encourage in your wife. How does your wife actually feel loved? It doesn't matter how many gifts you give if that doesn't mean anything to your wife. Then you have to figure out something else. (laughs) And that's kind of the purpose of the word. You have to love your wife for who she is. And doing that is, you have to get to know who she is. And always look into Jesus, because He is our example. And we're all to submit to him. And how did Jesus live his life? He lived it by serving and loving others. And he always had the honor of the Father as his first mission, as he served us. One uh, guy I met one time at a conference, he wrote, because sometimes these are controversial things, like, oh, men should not be leaders and blah, blah, blah and the head of the house and different things. So he writes on Facebook, leadership and headship in the home looks like cleaning the bathroom, cleaning the drain, whatever your wife really doesn't like to do. That's probably what you should do to serve your wife. I learned some things about leadership (laughs) in this church, like those one... uh, one winter camp we had, and I was kind of the you know the leader, the big boss of everything, so it means I get up before everybody and I go to bed after everybody <laughs> is asleep, and also, I was also the one that that one kid like yeah, he was a kid that time he throws up all over and and we're just about to start the meeting, and I'm also speaking, but I'm also the one cleaning up the puke that's what that's what it means to be the leader because that's how we see Jesus lead. If you're a man and you have to demand your wife to submit, there's already a big problem. Because the goal is that we as men would be a man that a wife wants to submit to in the Lord. It doesn't mean we always get these things right all the time, but in our marriages, we are to strive to do these things for the good of the other. And so, I believe that God has created man and woman in His image, equally in value, dignity, and worth. But we are different, and we are loved. We experience love differently. And God is in wisdom, has set up his system so both people would be called in to what how they can grow mostly in the Lord. Then we get to the children part. And then uh, the, as we come to the children, there's actually a difference because i forgot to say that but that the with the women submitting to the husband it's an it's a command to do that by your own will because you want to with the kids it says obey <laughs> it's not whether they want to or not they just have to obey obey your parents and everything for that's pleasing in the lord we see all through the old testament of how it's a blessing to to please uh, please one's parents we see that it's the first command with a promise um and then again he was like but what if the people are what if they are evil parents well that is why it's so important to understand no he's reading not reading he's writing to people who want to love and serve jesus that's why So just like with women, women never submit to a husband who is abusive and who asks her to do also things that are illegal or things that is not from the word. No, it is in the Lord. And so the same thing with children. They're not supposed to obey their parents if they are asking them to steal and do all sorts of things. No, here it's assuming that the parents are wanting to follow the Lord and is showing those things as examples. And I think it's really an encouragement. And maybe obey and other things we're not so comfortable with, but it's actually, and sometimes I even uh, stand it too simplistic, but it's actually maybe really helpful for children to know that the way I please, Lord, the Lord right now, is that uh, mad for God? Uh, <laughs> is, uh, is that I obey my parents? Then they can know, like, oh, then God is pleased with me. Then uh, another, another, another um, admonition to the fathers: Don't make your children bitter. Don't focus on all the things that they do wrong all the time. I was pretty convicted about this because that's an issue for me. Don't look and just point out all the things that are wrong all the time. Don't make them bitter. Encourage your children. Speak life into them where they do well. It doesn't mean that we don't correct and all those things, but it can't be all they hear is, is their discouragement. So it's an important role. Also again here for the fathers, they are to ho- uphold this one and be like, no, the way we are to our children and the way we want to have them flourish is also how we speak and talk and include them in different things. Also, when they need to be corrected, that they're just done it, done it in an honoring to the Lord way. Then we come to bond servants and slaves. So this translation uses bond servant, So I don't have to explain. But if you are if you have issues with slaves and different things, know that it's a different system than the one that was in North America and so on. Um, but I'm going to skip that part, and I will gladly talk more about that whole system well I have to talk a little bit about it because why is it here it's because they're part of the family here the slaves are part of the family you can see they don't have a very high position because they actually come under the, under the children not that the children command the slaves but, but then the bond servants there say hey and this is to Christians that are bond servants so, so, so they have become believers but they are servants of somebody else so they're not, Paul doesn't say, rebel, now you're freedom in Christ. No, he just says the opposite. He says, work the more. Don't be that guy that only works when somebody looks at you. No, now you're supposed to work as Jesus was your Lord. Not Not only when somebody looks at you and not just to please the person that owns you. No, like you should work like you have a different master. This one stings us maybe a little more when it's, I don't know if it's just you, but this part of taking it up to us is that most of us are bond servants in the way that we have a job, and so what does my work ethic look like? Is it only when somebody looks at me that I work? <laughs> One time when we did through this passage, we <laughs> Gabby and I made a video where I was cleaning only when somebody came by, and then I was sleeping the rest of the time. You know, like how do we, <laughs> how do we? how do we go about our work and does it look differently if we work for Jesus as Lord instead of the people we work for sometimes Jesus seems to be easier to please than some of our bosses but I mean maybe that's just something different but but then we have a heart to serve and do well and not under under deliver or anything and then you just like to talk about, you know, because maybe your boss doesn't see it. But the true boss in heaven sees it, whatever we do. So we will be repaid according to that. So there, there's a higher calling for the Christian also in serving. And then again, masters are addressed at the end treat everyone in your household also the slaves know that you have a master in heaven therefore you should act justly and fair so all this is important it's (laughs) it's important stuff because it creates it creates a structure of how a family looks which look like but also all this is impossible. It's impossible for wives, for men, for children, for servants, for masters. If we just try harder and do more. That's why Paul, Paul, that's why Paul wrote the first part of the letter, setting up the basis of why we can do these things. It's never, and I try to say that in my sermons all the time, it's never about just trying harder. Because how does that go? I'm just going to love people harder. I'm just going to submit better. I'm just going to obey my parents better. It never really works. But if we look to the Lord, see in perfect submission, perfect love, perfect fellowship in who the Trinity is, believing that He served us and He loved us, so that we are chosen, made holy, and daily beloved. Then, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and to honor God, this becomes possible by His strength and not our own. So we look to to God to help us and to show us. And we can only do these things in His strength. Let's pray. And we thank you and praise you that you're an amazing awesome God. You show perfect love, you show perfect submission. You show perfect holiness in who you are. And we thank you. We praise you. Lord, I pray that we continue to listen to hear be overwhelmed just like as people have testified today in testimony time. Continue to be overwhelmed with the love and grace and the patience you've shown us. Help us to be overfilled with the joy and love and power and strength that you can provide. Help us to be overwhelmed with who you are, Jesus. Yes, so that we will share with other people absolutely, so we would so we would love and lead our families well, so we would be people that love and serve because you loved and served us first, so we pray that you make it possible for the power of your holy Spirit in us. And continue to remind us of these things. That whatever authority or whatever power we get, it's for the flourishing of others and for your honor and your glory. Help us to be wise in the way we we treat our children. Help us to be wise in how we do our jobs. Help us to do them in such a way that the gospel would be seen by people around us. I pray for our fellowship as well. I pray for all of us, the people that can make it and everyone. Lord, we'll be very good at showing this inside of our fellowship as well. That we've been loved well, so we want to love well. That we are resting in being chosen. We're resting in being Holy, we're resting in that we are loved. So that will be what we share with others as we interact with them as well. So we thank you for this time. We want to praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen.